died homeless, a multimillionaire, and he didn't even know it. They, they figured that what he had coming to him was on his part, for his part, was about $19 million. But he died with a light jacket on in Wyoming, freezing to death. Yeah. He had the right position in the family, but in practice, he was nowhere close to living like the millionaire he actually was. He, really, he didn't even know he had such a position. He wasn't aware of it at all. His practice, we could say it this way, wasn't very becoming of his position. And I want to look today, this morning, out of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, where we're coming here. And I have this title this morning called, A Heavenly Practice for an Earthly Walk. Heavenly Practice for an Earthly Walk. So many believers are living like Timothy, heirs to a king, but dying as paupers. And they have no understanding and no, under, no, no realization of what they really are in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 1 through 3, the Bible, these first three uh, chapters, talks about our position in the family. And I want to spend a little bit of time reminding you about our position in the family. There were promises that have been made to the believer. The Bible says in chapter 1 here of Ephesians that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing that there is, they are ours in Jesus Christ. It is in Christ Jesus that we have redemption through his blood. It is in Christ Jesus that we have obtained a predestined inheritance. Notice this, the, listen, the, 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 the person isn't predestined. It's the inheritance that is predestined therein. Don't, don't get those turned around because if you get them turned around, you make God somebody who just picks and chooses when that's not the case. In Christ, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to verses 13 through 14 of Ephesians 1. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also that you believe, after that you believed, after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. If you are a Christian here this morning, everything that is in Christ is yours. God is your father. Jesus is your elder brother. The Holy Spirit is our legal assurance of the transaction that was made the day we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been adopted into the family. We are legally children of God. Amen? I think that's good. That's, that's our position in Christ. That is who we are. And because of, our, because of Christ and because of our position in the family, everything we have is better than anything we could have ever imagined. It is better. Hebrews presents Jesus as better. I like that. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 9, turn over there if you would please. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. God begins who has sundry times and 
divers manners, spake in the times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. No, he hasn't spoken unto us by healings and by miracles and by all the shazam that goes on. He has spoken to us by Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Oh, I got to stop here. The scientists are getting to the subatomic level and they're starting to realize they're trying to figure out what is holding, uh, holding everything together, what holds the atoms together, what it is. And they've come to the conclusion that there's nothing there. And we say, amen, because it's all held together by the word of his power right here. When he had by himself Purge our sins. Oh, I, can't, I can't get through. I can't get through Hebrews one by himself. He needed no help of anybody else. Amen. By himself purged our sins. Sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again I will be unto him a father, and he shall be unto me. A son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Wow. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God, amen, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with, all, with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Jesus is better. He is the first begotten. He is the creator. He is the son. And in verse 8 says, he is God. He is better than anyone that is vying for that place in your life this morning. Jesus is better. He is better than Satan. Amen. That's an easy one. You should be able to agree on that one. He's better than Mohammed, who's still in the grave. Thank you very much. He's better than Buddha, who is still in the grave, even though they think they have a tooth. I just found out this morning. They think they have a tooth of Buddha. And uh, regardless, it means he's still dead. He's still in the grave. He, hey, he's greater. Jesus is better than all of the 300 million gods of Hinduism. He He's better than Joseph Smith. He's better than some young moon. He's better than Alexander Campbell trying to baptize people into the kingdom. He's better than Ellen G. White and these Seventh-day Adventists that are running around today. He's better than the Pentecostal movement. Thank you. He's better than John Calvin. Uh, absolutely. Jesus is better. Why? Because none of them are God. None of them offered to pay for your sin. None were even able to pay for sin. And they're all in the grave still. It was on that resurrection morning the after the third three days and three nights in the grave what makes jesus better beyond him being creator and being god is that he offered himself on a cross and he paid the sin debt for all mankind and three days and three nights later yes he died but no he came out alive up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes he arose a victor or the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign christ arose he lives he lives uh, right christ jesus lives today the bible says he walks with me and he talks with me all along life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lives 
This told me so. The, the, the evidence, listen, the, the eyewitnesses told me so. And I can add a little icing on the cake and say, He lives in my heart. I know He lives. I know He does. Jesus is better. And after Jesus, Hebrews begins to reveal more things that are better, that are better, that are ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, he's better, friend. But when you get in Christ, you have so many more things that are yours. We have a better hope in chapter 7 and verse 19. In 7 and 22, we have a better testament. We have a better covenant in chapter 8. We have a better promise in chapter 8 and verse 6. We have better and enduring substance in chapter 10 and verse 30. Chapter 11, verse 16, we have a better country. In chapter 11, verse 35, we have a better resurrection coming. Amen. In chapter 11, verse 40, we have better things. And in chapter 12 and verse 24 we have a better blood the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away our sins but the blood of the Lord Jesus was better if you are in Christ this morning everything we have this morning is better than anything we could obtain because Jesus is better than all listen to me this morning that is your position you are in Christ Jesus. This is our parentage. It is our present reality. And it is our future hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a family. What a family that we have in Christ. Are you, are you glad for the family of God? Are you glad for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you glad for the day that he sought you? Hey, he'd been, he'd been tracking you down and hunting you down long before you ever knew it. Wasn't that true? And with the day that you turned with faith towards God, re- repentance towards God and, the, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you looked back and you went, what do you know? He'd been there the whole time just reeling me in. Reeling me in. Praise the Lord. Think of all the times you should have been dead and in hell. All of the stupid things. Now, maybe the ladies don't do this, but all the dumb things that we found out to do that we realize I could have died doing that one, right? And listen, the fact of the reality is, is that we could have been, uh, listen, we could have been in hell this morning, but God was pursuing us and he hunted us down. Listen, he's better. He's better. He is better. This is our position in Christ. Secondly, I want you to notice our practice in the family. Just as Timothy Gray was not living in practice in a way suitable to his position in that wealthy family, so too many Christians, many Christians don't live in a suitable way, in a way that is becoming, that is becoming of their position in the family of God. I want you to notice here in chapter 4, There's two things. I don't know if we'll even get to them because we're running out of time. We'll at least get to the first one. But I I want you to notice a couple of things this morning. Number one, where we walk. And number two, how we walk. We're talking about our walk now. Chapters 1 through 3 talked about our position. Now verses 4 through, chapters 4 through 6 is going to talk about our practice. Our practice. Do you know we ought to live like a Christian? I know that sounds like just old time religion. It don't happen no more, right? No, we're supposed to live like a Christian. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ that God is trying to do and conform us to the image of Christ. We're supposed to become, be becoming, allowing God to, uh, to, to work in us to become more Christ-like. Look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, I therefore, right? What is therefore, therefore? 
<laughs> right? Well, therefore is therefore because of chapters 1 through 3, because of our position in Christ, because of the mystery, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should be a member of, uh, of a church. Therefore, because of what he had said before, look at this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, right? Paul was writing from a Roman prison. He was writing from this place of imprisonment. But do you notice what he said? He didn't say a prisoner of Rome. He said a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I, he said I, uh, uh, yeah, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. A prisoner of the Lord. Watch, he was where God wanted him to be. He knew that. In prison? Yes, in prison. He was exactly where God wanted him. He was in the will of God. He is, watch, watch what he's showing here. Man, as much as they think they have control over his life, and as much as we think man has control over our life, they really don't have any control of, at all. It is God who is, who is in control of our life. And Paul is saying that man does not have control over Paul as they believe. God has allowed everything, and God has allowed this in Paul's life as well. He said, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm right where God wants me to be. Doesn't make sense, does it? Not to us at times, right? Hey, can I tell you this? When you understand that God has the final say in things that come into our life, you will learn to accept the bad things with the right attitude and trust. You'll learn to accept them. Can I remind you of Job who said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? It was Job who said, He knoweth the way that I take. He understood that God knew where he was and what he was going through. He went on to say at another point, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, How can I receive good things of the Lord and not evil also? Job had an understanding of God. Yes, he had to go through some testings and God was going to work out some things in his life. But he he had an understanding of God and he was able at a point of his life to come to the conclusion that God, God had allowed this and God knows what he's doing and that he could be trusted. How can the Roman government crush Paul when Paul believes his heavenly father wants him where he is? Right. I tell you what, I, I, I'm thankful for America. I'm thankful for the Constitution. I'm thankful for this Memorial Day weekend. Right. Memorial Day weekend and uh, to, to memorialize after after the after the revolutionary after the Civil War, uh, I think it was called Remembrance Day or something like that turned into, into Memorial Day to remember the fallen dead of service members of the military. No, I, I, don't don't let me get too picky here, but I'm going to. It's not all of the fallen dead that we go to remember. The Memorial Day is for those that gave their life in battle in the United States and the U.S. military and to uh, to honor those that gave their life. Uh, Six hundred and fifty. 50,000 in the Civil War, right? I think well over a million in all of the wars since uh, the Revolutionary War, maybe 1.2 million lives given in battle here. And uh, no, I'm thankful for our nation. I'm thankful for our country. I'm thankful for our Constitution. But let me tell you, as it's changing and we begin to wring our hands, listen, it really does, listen, our government really doesn't have the power over us that they think they do. Hey, if that was the case, Paul should have been all upset and worried about it all. And he wasn't, right? See, the, listen to me tonight. 
this morning. The, the, those things that you're trying to get out of your life that you count as bad things, the things, I'm not talking about sin, but I'm just talking about experiences that where you are right now in life that you're trying to get out of your life. You're trying to run away from them and run here and run there and run here. Can I tell you those things in your life would lose their grip if you would understand your Heavenly Father has allowed them in your life for a reason? And you could turn and say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. What do you want me to do? I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> I'm not like signing up. Yeah, I'll, I'll take prison. right? No. But what was Paul's attitude? Right? Well, I'll write some letters, I guess. I'll write two-thirds of the, I guess two-thirds of the New Testament, I guess, while I'm sitting here in the Roman prison, a prisoner of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. He said, I... I didn't mean to do that much there, but it's free. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. He said, I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you. This word beseech is used 29 times in the New Testament. Watch this. Every time that it is used in Paul's epistles, it is regarding our conduct as a child of God. He's begging us to live like Christ. He's begging us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to prove that which is good and, and, and acceptable, or holy and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul uses it all through his epistles about our conduct. Peter uses the word, in 1 Peter 2.11, same thing. It's about conduct. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. John used it over in 2 John 1.5 where he beseeches the elect lady and her children. Watch, he beseeches them to love one another. To love one another. Uh, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is begging us this morning to do something. What is it? Contrary, he's begging us to do what is contrary to our flesh. This is why you got to beg. This is why Paul says, I buffet my body. My friend, you know your flesh very well. And the last thing your flesh wants to do is to fall in line with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this before. We're going to, we, our spirit has been made alive. We have been redeemed. But our flesh, I believe, is so irredeemable that God decided it's going to die and we'll get a new one someday. It's wicked. And you know it, don't you? <laughs> I tell you what, a child of God longs for the day that this old carcass is placed in the ground and we'll never sin again. We'll never have the desire to sin. And we'll have our true heart's desire is to worship in a, in a, in a, in a purity and a holiness and a righteousness that we cannot do right now. The Spirit of God is doing, begging us to do something here. Look at this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, what? Beseech you to do something. What is it? Walk worthy. Walk. That word axios. You've probably heard of that. I think it's a newspaper or an online news source, axios. It means to conduct, how to conduct one's life. We have a free will. And we each get to choose how we conduct our life. Ah, right. What is, what, what, is, what is God begging us here to do? He's begging us to conduct our life, watch this word, worthy. 
suitable, in a manner worthy, in a way that is becoming. Maybe some of you that are older grew up hearing terms like, well, that's not very becoming of a lady. Well, that's not very becoming of a gentleman. What, is, what are they saying? That is, that is not a suitable way. That is not a manner that is worthy, watch, of what you're supposed to be. It's unbecoming. The Spirit of God is begging us this morning. Watch, He's begging us to walk worthy, to conduct our lives in a manner that is worthy. Worthy of what? Well, it tells us. Look at this. Verse, verse 1, again, we haven't even got out of verse 1. Isn't that great? Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What is that vocation? It's a calling. The word vocation means a calling, an invitation. It is the divine calling of salvation. We were called unto this relationship. We were not owed. No, God did not owe us this relationship. We were called unto it out of His grace and out of His mercy. Amen? Out of His love and His kindness. We were not owed this. Watch this. Things take on, I'm telling you, they take on a whole new meaning when you are invited to something you didn't deserve to be invited to. It takes on a whole new meaning. I got thinking about this, uh, about this point here on, on this word here, vocation. The calling and invitation. And my mind went back to the events when David first became king. And David became king and most of the household of Saul had been done away with and was out of the picture. And David has there on his throne, there's a little bit of peace. And he, and he spoke to Ziba, his servant. He says, is there any of the household of Saul that I could show kindness to? That I could show the kindness, watch, the kindness of the Lord to? Now, hey, Saul and the family was the enemy of David at one time. But what was the difference? Well, David had a, had a, had a, had a covenant with somebody. He had a covenant with Jonathan. He made a, he made a pact with Jonathan. I, I, I am inclined to believe he made a blood oath with Jonathan. I, 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 when you understand how oaths and covenants went, they exchanged some articles, but blood would be shed. And, and normally the practice was they would either cut a, a cut, make a mark on the wrist and they'd put their wrist together and that blood would mingle. They were making a covenant. And David, however it was done though, David made a covenant with Jonathan that he would show kindness unto his family. And here's David. He's king now. That family of Saul is gone. It's wiped away. And David said, is there anybody I could show kindness to? Is there anybody I I could call to come with me. And Ziba said, well, there's Mephibosheth. The son of, the, the son of Jonathan's down there. He was lame. He's lame for, uh, as a little child. When, when his father and his grandfather were killed, the nurse picked him up to run away and she fell in on him and crushed his legs. And he was crippled from that time forward. And here he is a crippled man. And David told Ziba, go down and get him. And he went down and he knocked on his door and he says, the king wants you, Mephibosheth. And he said, me? I, I'm no help to the king. Well, he wants you. And they picked him up and they loaded him into that chariot, I'm sure, or however they brought him up. And they brought him up there and he came before David. And Mephibosheth, what did he say? What did you see in such a dead dog as me? David said, you're going to eat continually at my table. What did he do? He called Mephibosheth to come. And he says, you're going to eat with me until the day you die. And Mephibosheth said, why? I'm just a dead dog. I don't know. Maybe David raised up his wrist. And he said, because of a covenant, 
at a covenant. Can I tell you this morning, we have a covenant. The Lord Jesus Christ made a covenant with his own blood. And what's he doing? He's calling the world into a relationship with us, with himself. Just a bunch of dead dogs, just a bunch of crippled folks that he's calling. Really have no, not much value to, to somebody like, like the God, the creator of heaven. But he's called us unto himself. It's a calling. And here it is. We watch what, what Paul is saying here by the Holy Spirit of God. He is begging us to conduct our life in a manner that is worthy, that is becoming, that matches, watch, that matches our calling. Do I have to go back and remind you what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I have to go back and remind you that Jesus is better? Right? This is who we are in this morning. This is who our Heavenly Father is. This is who our relationship with, with is with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Him. And the Spirit of God is telling us this, this morning, you are in Christ. You are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing. Now, this is your position. Now, walk like it. Live your life like it. Conduct your life like it. Wait. Live in a way that is becoming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you there's some things, ways in which we're not to walk? There's some ways in which we're not to walk. The word of God is replete with directions where we're not to walk and ways in we're not to walk. Jesus said, here's the way, walk in it, right? What, What is that? Follow me, right? Following the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are ways that we can walk that we ought not to walk. As a believer, I know this doesn't get preached much like it used to. Are you right? I, I, I know it's, it's kind of a, a bygone thing and it's left to some. There, there's some out there, praise the Lord, they are faithful to the Word of God and they're going to preach the Word of God and they're still going to teach and preach this. But we are living in a day when we are gleaning. Listen to me, and I, 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 I've thought this through and I've thought this through and I, I become more and more convinced as I watch our culture and our society. I become more and more convinced as I watch the direction of Christians and of churches that would, would, would throw up the moniker of independent and fundamental and Baptist and all of these things. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we're living in a day where we are gleaning from years of preaching to those who have tickling ears. For years, preachers have sought to build bigger churches by an unbiblical application of the word legalism. I'm telling you, I, oh, no, we're all against legalism, friend. There is nothing you can do to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ but put your faith and trust in His finished work, and that is it. To tell a child of God that, that there's a right way to live today would be followed by the term Pharisee or legalist. Friend, you get on, online on it, you see it all over the place, friend. It is all over. Oh, you're just a bunch of Pharisees. Can I remind you the problem with the Pharisees is that they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the problem, friend. And yeah, they had a lot of attitudes that we could adopt into our life that would be wrong and sinful. But boy, to come with some of these blanket statements of Phariseeism. And I mean, come on, who wants to, Alan, do you like when somebody says you're just a Pharisee? You don't like it. I don't like it. And so you know what happens? People go, oh, oh. Watch, they're not mature in the Word. They're not students of the Word of God. Somebody calls them a Pharisee and they go, oh, oh, I don't want to be that. So what do we do? Well, we just, we just, well, here's what, many times, not all the times, this is what it equates to eventually. We just find a more worldly way to walk because we don't want to be called a Pharisee. Yeah. 
But God is begging us to conduct our life in such a way that people notice God, not the world. No, I'm not telling you you've got to be a Fruit Loop out there and a weirdo. I'm not saying you've got to wear sandwich board signs and not, you know, not fix your hair and go around screaming that the world is ending. I'm not talking about that. Amen? Yeah. We're seated, hey, we're seated in the heavenlies by Christ Jesus right now, but we're walking on earthly soil. No, we're to walk on this earth, not, not walk in the world but walk on earth as if we are living in heavenly places. See, there, is, there are ways of life that should never mark a child of God. And, and I contend this, 50 years ago, society would have taught a lot of this. And now we've got to teach it again from the pulpit. Yeah. Could I remind you... I, Listen, a lot of things happen here that took my time, so don't worry about what time it is. I got gypped, so I'm just going to take a little more, okay? <laughs> Do you know it's unbecoming of a child of God to lie? Amen. Amen. No, it is. You say, oh, great, I just lied this morning. Well, it's still true, right? You can say, oh, me, how about that? That'll work. No, don't do that, then we'll know. No, listen, friend, it's still unbecoming of a child of God to lie. The Bible still says that lying lips are an abomination unto God. Right? No, we ought to be people of truth. Do we lie? Absolutely at times. But wait, if that becomes a natural practice of your life, of how you navigate this world, can I tell you, you are not walking in a way that that is becoming to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are walking in a way that is becoming to the world. Lying. Do you know the world lies to get ahead and think nothing of it? Yeah. I have a whole list of stuff. I don't know if I should go over it. Okay, I will. Stealing. Hey, what about stealing? Yeah. Stealing is still wrong, right? What does the Bible tell us? Steal no more, but work diligently with thy hands. Can I tell you, it's unbecoming of a, of a child of God to live a life of lying and stealing. We know that. This is pretty easy. But listen, things are changing nowadays. How are you going to preach this in your pulpits when you tell a believer that it's unbecoming of a child of God to be shacking up? Come on, come on. Yeah. The hookup culture. I'm telling you, friend, it's a sad thing. It, we, we should be grieved by it because it's destroying lives. It's destroying young people. Young people are coming out of this culture and then they don't even know how to love. And they can't even have a relationship now because all they've done is had one right after the other, after the other, after the other. Terms like what's your body count and things like this are going out there as if it's a badge of honor. And what they don't realize is their life is being destroyed. And it should break our hearts. And it should break our hearts enough that we stand up on a regular basis to those that have come in Christ, not outside of Christ, but in Christ, and let them know this is unbecoming of a child of God. We had a young couple in the church. They came here a little while, really at the very beginning, as I was pastor. And they were coming just happy as a lark. I didn't know a thing about them hardly. Knew they were engaged. And uh, one Wednesday night, it was a prayer request. And he popped his hand up. And said, pray for so-and-so is the girl next to him. Uh, she's got an ultrasound this week. And I about swallowed my tongue. And uh, just didn't know. Friend, they didn't, have a, they didn't think a thing about it. This is the culture we're living in, friend. They didn't think it was wrong. They didn't think there was a thing wrong with that. Living together. Unmarried. 
No, no, it's unbecoming of a child of God. Right? It's called fornication. It's a sin. Yeah. Can I tell you, here's another great thing today that you got, that is amazing that we have to preach about, but I'm telling you, alcohol is still sin. I'll tell it again. If you're in here drinking, you're out of the will of God. You're not living a life that is becoming of a child of God. Man, it's quiet. That should be the easiest one. That used to be one everybody would holler and scream about. That was an easy one. I'll tell you, not anymore. I, you know how many Christians are, are, are arguing for alcohol? You know what the Bible says in Proverbs? We know what it says. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and they that are deceived thereby are not wise. If you notice this, there is no amounts given. It doesn't say a liter, a pint, a half an ounce. All it says is wine. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and those that are deceived thereby are not wise. When Lemuel, the king's mother, began to teach him, she warned him of two things. She warned them of the wrong kind of women and wine two things that grab hold of your flesh and listen when they get hold of your flesh you'll end up in places that you should never that you never intended to be it's it, listen it is not becoming of a child of god to be an alcohol to be controlled by a substance that is mind altering to be controlled by a substance that that kills brain cells absolutely not yeah i'm talking about walking worthy we're talking about walking worthy of the vocation that you're called. You know what I'm, I've been amazed by lately? You get online and you get in certain venues online and people make their comments and this and that and claim to be Christian and this and that. You know what I'm amazed about lately is the cursing that goes on by Christians. Swearing and cursing. It should not be. It is not becoming of a child of God. It is not becoming. Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit revealed the heart of Peter's betrayal. The Holy Spirit of God revealed the heart of Peter's betrayal to the extent that it was when he went on and recorded that Peter swore, cursed, and swore. It was connected to his heart. And you cannot, listen, your words are connected to your heart. And the Bible says that our words should be seasoned with salt. They should be edifying and glorifying. There should never be a time in a child of God where a cursing and swearing come out of your mouth. Hey, I'll go so far, and some of you have been there, and you, you, you would agree with this. There are, there are words like, like G and gosh that are just replacements. I'm telling you, there's some I, the replacements that we don't even replace because you begin to realize what they replace. You don't want them in your mind even. Yeah. Cursing and swearing. I hear Christians take God's name in vain, and I'm shocked, saying, Oh, my G-O-D. Can I remind you of the third commandment? Thou shalt not take the Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Huh. To make it useless or vain. What am I talking? I'm talking about walking worthy of the calling that you are called to. We're talking about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who's better than everything. And we ought to walk. We ought to live our life. We ought to order our life in such a way that is becoming of a Christian. Have you watched what's going on in our culture lately? Summer's coming. And here comes the nakedness. You can't stop the world and you can't preach at the world what they ought to do. They need to be in Christ before you disciple them. But it's a wicked thing when God's children are just running around as naked as the world is. I tell you, the thigh is still nakedness, friend. God said yeah 
Men can be just as, just as immodest as women. That's right. And they're both wrong. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We're living in a culture now of cross-dressing. Yeah. We're wringing our hands at it wondering, what on earth? How did we get here? Well, maybe somehow some wrong teaching came along that we stopped living a life that was becoming of a child of God. We started acting and dressing like the world. right? Now we're wondering why they are where they are. Friend, we live in a world of cause and effect. There is, there is, a, there is causation here. Absolutely. What am I saying? It matters how you live your life on a day-to-day basis. The Holy Spirit of God is begging us. Because of what you are in Christ, now walk worthy of that. Walk worthy of it. I read a quote this week. I showed it to my wife. It's from a woman who has a <clears throat> has a some Twitter account about feminism, and she's an I don't know a thing about her. But the last line said this. She said, "Feminism only empowers degenerate men." She said, "You want your freedom? You want to run around naked? You want to run run around living and shacking up and everything?" All your feminism does, you think you're free and now you're outside of the, 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 uh, the power of the patriarchy and you've got your freedom. She says all you're doing is empowering degenerate men. Think about that. Twelve fifteen. I quench the spirit. Friend, we have a glorious position in Christ. And God is admonishing us that our practice should be becoming of our position. You're a Christian. You're a little Christ. The world ought to see that, friend. One individual said this on the, on the, concerning the term of uh, the subject of heir of all things. He said, a great king once said to a favorite, Ask what thou wilt and I'll give it thee. He thought, if I ask to be made general of all the army, I shall get it. If for great riches of half the kingdom, I shall gain it. But if I will ask for what will give me all these? So he said to the king, give me thy daughter to wife. This made him heir to all the wealth and the honors of the kingdom. So he who chooses Christ becomes heir to all the wealth and the glory of the Father's kingdom. We're joint heirs with Christ today. If you're in Christ this morning, you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an awesome position. Now live like it. No, don't, don't live your life as a spiritual homeless person while you are an heir to everything. Listen, please. It's not very becoming. Now listen closely. It's a terrible way to say thank you. It's a terrible way to say thank you. How many have given that bum on the road begging a meal, offered a meal, offered this, offered that, and they go, no, I don't want that, I want this. Wow. Terrible way to say thank you. God's begging us this morning, beseeching us. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, the calling in which you are called.
is the way you conduct your life this morning. I want you to look at your life. Don't look at anybody else. Just look at yours. Is the way that you conduct your life this morning, is it becoming of the position that you have in Christ? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit of God put His finger on something this morning and said, that's not very becoming actually. Would you do this this morning? Would you agree quickly with Him and do whatever it takes to get that out of your life so you can continue to walk a way that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this. Are you in Christ? You might be here this morning. You may be listening online and watching online. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? You need to be in Christ first. You need to be in Him first. You can come today and put your faith and trust in the only one who could take care of your sin problems and restore you to your Creator. You need to do that today. How are you walking? How are you walking? Our Father, thank you for the reminder today that I needed. And I know we're living in a time and a culture, uh, Lord, this is needed everywhere. There's been such a dearth of Christians walking in a way that's becoming of the Lord Jesus. Lord, would you forgive us? And would you begin to do a work in our hearts and lives of molding us, of, of, of changing us? And I mean, you've promised to do that. You've promised that. I guess what we need really is the help, the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to yield to you and allow you to do what you want to do. So we ask you to do that. We ask you for that. Father, we pray if somebody's here not saved, that they would come and be saved today. And those that need to get right with you in some place, that they would do that today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. The instrument will play. The invitation is open. You can stay right where you are and spend some time with the Lord. Has the Lord spoke to you this morning? Is there some area of your life the Holy Spirit of God has said right there? Maybe there's something I didn't even mention. Maybe it's something else the Holy Spirit of God brought up and said, you know, friend, that's not real, that's not real becoming, child. It's not very becoming. Would you get that out of your life? Would you deal with the Lord right now, right where you are? You deal with Him. You respond to Him. Say yes to God. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you need to get saved today. Come to us. We have people that are trained in the Bible. If you're a lady, we have a lady. If you're a man, we have a man. We can show you from the Word of God how you know, you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. If you're watching online, you can contact us. You can call us. You can email us. And we will do whatever necessary to get to you and show you how you can know.
Somebody's under deep conviction, <laughs> crying out unto God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, um, Scuffums will be back at their table if you have any questions for them this afternoon. They will be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Be back, would you please? And, and uh, we'll try that video again. And Brother Scuffum will be preaching, and we're looking forward to that. And uh, have a great afternoon. And, uh, and if you go to a restaurant, can I tell you this? Leave a tip. That's becoming of a Christian. Leave a good, a good tip. tip. Absolutely. Anyway, so. And if you're not going to leave a tip, don't, please don't leave a tip. Don't leave a tract, please. Grab one from the Assembly of God Church down here on the way to the place and leave that one. So, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. Brother, Brother Bond, would you close us in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. Lord, without it, Lord, we would be walking blind. 